Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this, folks? The Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting, joined as always by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting. And we are the Draft Dudes Podcast. And uh, it is full steam ahead the rest of the way. The Combine is in the rearview mirror. We've got Pro Days starting today. The big one down in Oklahoma carrying us all the way through early April. And it is uh, it is information overload. It's data overload. It's it's film overload. And I wouldn't have it any other way. How about you, Kyle? Uh, yeah, this is the, uh, the last push, which I'm really excited for so I can get some sleep. Um, sleep <laughs> yeah no i know it's a weird concept but you know i'm i'm ready for some sleep right about now but we just got to keep pounding yeah man i think every night about 9 30 10 o'clock i'm firing up the cure getting another cup of coffee in, trying to make it to 12 one o'clock and uh i've said it a few times but man it is literally just staying awake as long as possible to, to get as much work as we can done but it's uh I'm super excited about what we're rolling out for the people, man. Our NDT Scouting premium subscription is money. Not only is it money, it's able to be pre-ordered right now. You know, this is something that we've uh, we've been working on behind the scenes, and we feel really good about the product that we're putting together. And uh, you're getting 600 scouting reports. You get 300 from me. You get 300 from Joe. Each one of us have, as you guys have kind of heard us allude to, uh, a numerical-oriented system that, that looks at the full package of a player, and we paint those really detail-oriented pictures uh, for you guys. We have the same watch list. And if your team picks somebody in the third, fourth, fifth round that we don't cover in our watch list of 300, as part of this package, you're going to get those guys retroactively after the fact. So... Um, about as much information as you could possibly hope to acquire for the 2017 NFL draft. I mean, it's 20 bucks. Like, just don't go out to lunch, right? Just <laughs> just save that up, skip lunch, eat at home, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and we'll call it even, 
right? Just get on board. It's a 12-month subscription. It's it's really awesome stuff. I'm really excited to get this thing rolling, and we're, we're taking pre-orders now at NETScouting.com. Man, the 12-month 12 12 calendar is everything I wished was available for me back when I was trying in the, to get into this thing. So uh, really excited to take everyone on the journey across a full 12 months and take, take it through our process and just uh, keep pounding, like you said there. Uh, Kyle, let's, uh, why don't you set the stage for us today? We've got an interesting topic. Why don't you over, overlay that for everyone and we'll get started. Yeah, thanks. It's so nice of you to actually let me set the stage for my own brainchild of a show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about uh, scheme-specific prospects as related to what we did or didn't see at the NFL Combine. So uh, the eight guys that we've watched, or the, the eight guys that we have that we're going to talk about here today, uh, those are all players that we have watched on tape. We feel comfortable with their film. We know where they project. And we saw some confirmations of things that we saw at the NFL Combine, things that you know are going to either box them into a role or expand them into a different role. And that's what we're going to get into today. We got... Uh, each of us have four defensive prospects, and each one of those players we're going to look at specifically. Where does he win? Where does he not? What does this testing show? And what schemes can he possibly fit in the NFL? Yeah, so I'll get us started here. And the player that I we got to get right into is Kansas State defensive player <sighs> Jordan Jordan Willis. I mean, this guy's been polarizing, right? Uh Tremendous couple seasons at Kansas State with a lot of great production, tackles for loss, sacks, uh, goes to senior bowl in Mobile, you know, shows well in the game. Uh, but everyone watches the guy's tape. You see him in the practices in Mobile, and you see a guy that's a good athlete, powerful, but he can't turn a corner. You know, he cannot run that edge track and, and soften the edge for himself and bend. And he takes his pass rush nine yards up the field before he's working back to the quarterback. So then he goes to the combine, and this guy, what is he, 6'3", six, uh, six, almost 6'4", 255, 32-plus inch arms. And he runs 4'5", 3". He's got the best shuttles, the best uh, jumps. I mean, this guy just tests out the roof, and you're like, well, damn it, he can't turn a corner. So here's my solution. Let's stop asking him to turn corners. Let's tap into that athletic ability. Play him off the ball. He's uh, he ran a four five three forty yard dash, which would be the fastest forty yard dash for a linebacker if he tested as a linebacker. He's got the speed. He's got the movement skills. He just can't turn corners. So my idea: play him off the ball, let him flow, and, and soften that edge. So you can still use his pass rushing upside. You can still use his powerful hands. But instead of him trying to beat an offensive tackle one-on-one, he's got a, a five technique in front of him that's softening that edge, and he can just run in more of a straight line, or he can just blitz and attack interior gaps. Uh, so there you have it. I think that's kind of a, a kind of a, an interesting idea that I don't hear anybody talking about. But uh, he's he's not overly huge, uh, two two hundred fifty-five pounds. He's got the movement skills. Why not play him off the ball instead of trying to ask this guy to to turn uh, turn and bend bend the corner from an edge rushing perspective? Yeah, even if you put him in something like a wide nine style defense where you're, he's so split out where that initial step in explosiveness that he does happen. I mean, everybody knew he was going to run well. 
it was the shuttles and the change of direction skills and the the jumps that that really took me back. I was expecting like a four six uh, with pedestrian jumps, and you know we didn't get any of that. So uh, certainly, I think the more space you can afford him, because uh, there seems seems to be some kind of disconnect between what he's able to apply and what his actual athleticism is. Uh, the more you can isolate him in space, the more that athleticism is going to be given the chance to shine. Joe, let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. Everybody's top five prospect, uh, Alabama defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. Uh, came into the combine, turns out he's got had surgical procedures on both his shoulders. Uh, there's some long-term concerns about his uh, arthritic condition in one shoulder. And then he comes out and he lays, relatively speaking, uh, a stinker of athletic testing with a, a five-flat 40-yard dash. Uh, his, his jumps were in the low 30s. Uh, did not showcase himself particularly well. Did not appear to have a very explosive physical skill set. So the question now begs itself, where does somebody like John Allen fit best? I still think you can get away with him, playing him as a base 4-3 defensive end. And he came in at, I believe, 286. Or you can play him at 5-tech. So if you play primarily a three-man defensive front, you want to walk one of your rush linebackers up in the line of scrimmage and have him rush uh, from an interior gap on passing down and distances. His hands are so good. You know, that's what he does have going for him. Um... And you saw something similar along the same lines to less of a degree uh, with Joey Bosa last year, where Bosa, statistically speaking, did not test particularly well in comparison to the historical data set of pass rushers. So Allen, I think the technique and the pop in the hands and the efficiency and the football intelligence, I think all that trumps what you're getting with his athletic testing. But I think he certainly put to bed any... Uh, romantic aspirations of him playing consistently on the outside and turning the corner on NFL offensive tackles and much more of a power player, and that's okay. Uh, I just think that's somebody who has to be either closed in as a base 4-3 defensive end against the run game or somebody with somebody outside of him and let him try and use his power to overwhelm on the interior gaps. What's interesting uh, about John Allen, and uh, I guess I, I want to hear your response on this, is uh, from what presumes is a stinker at the Combine, certainly different than what I think people expected. You know, in your latest mock draft, you still had him going third overall to the Bears. Uh, so I'm guessing you, you, didn't, you didn't see anything that swings a pendulum to him really dropping at all. Is, is that a true statement? Yeah, I, I still think... Uh... His film is just so strong. Mm, mm -hmm. And if he drops, I would believe it would be more a product of the shoulder issues than it would mm -hmm. be any athletic testing. Because there, there's certainly baseline level, especially if you grade him as an interior defensive lineman. You know, that, yeah. that subpar grading suddenly becomes about average scoring. He's got nice initial step. If you're grading him as an interior defensive lineman, uh, I just don't want to see him at three tech. I don't. I don't think he's going to be particularly successful at three tech. Yeah, you know it's uh, interesting. The next guy that I have up is a player that 
seems like we saw a lot of comps. You know, these players are the similar type guys, and this one's better for whatever reason. And the guy I'm referring to is uh, Stanford's Solomon Thomas. And uh, I think we learned <laughs> we learned in Indy that those guys are very different, and uh, they'll they'll take on different roles. And Solomon Thomas checks in just a tick under six three, two hundred seventy three pounds, runs four six nine, sub seven. Uh, three cone and he, he just really had a great day and um, it really answered the questions that I had about him being a sustainable option on the edge. I think he can certainly play base uh, base end in a four three uh, on running downs. And he's the kind of guy that can rush the interior gaps on passing downs. And I know that we like to kind of peg guys as the next Michael Bennett uh, stylistically, you know, in terms of, you know, where they can, play along the defensive line. And I think we've actually got one here in Solomon Thomas. Uh, a lot of his production as a pass rusher came attacking those interior gaps, which I think he can still do at the next level. But I think he's got enough athleticism to also win from the outside in a 4-3. So uh, I think our uh, where to play Solomon Thomas question really is shaped up for us based on what we saw in Indy. Yeah, I got a hot take for you, Joe. Go for it. Solomon Thomas does not make it out of the top ten. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's true, right? Um, there's a lot of buzz about certain teams really liking him, and you know, I, I, the Bengals at nine has to be his absolute floor, right? Correct. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's a pretty safe assertion on our part because he, he really did with this testing. He, he really solidified his standing uh, with a really well-rounded performance, not just a good performance in a couple areas, but a really well-rounded performance. Uh, 33 he, inch arms yeah, yeah everything yeah that, that baseline length is there to stack and shed and he's got mm-hmm. the pop in his hands to do so so a hat tip to Solomon because that that turned out to be a really especially because it was such a bunched group right mm-hmm. like it's, it's Miles mm-hmm. Garrett and then there's a whole bunch of guys and he tested well across the board and I think you're going to see him reap the dividends and benefits of that come late April uh, the next guy I would like to speak on is West Virginia cornerback Rasul Douglas. Uh, Douglas, uh, again, this was somebody who gave us at the Combine what you would expect to see if you watched his tape at West Virginia. His ball skills are excellent. It's not a question of football intelligence. The issues here is the transitions and the long speed. If he's playing off the ball, he's just simply, he's too long he cannot move his feet quickly enough to cleanly transition and break on throws and routes in front of his face. Uh, his long speed is, uh, I believe he, his official time was a 5-4-9. So he's a 4-6 guy. And that's okay if you're playing the proper kind of scheme. If you're playing either press man and then having him squat in the flats, or if you're having him play... Uh, bail technique in cover three where you're up on the line of scrimmage and then bailing and getting depth at the line of scrimmage at the snap and sustaining that deep third area that gives him the ability to play with physicality if he would like play him in a deep third area where he can maximize his length in longer throws and challenge throws down the field keep his eyes in the backfield so that he is able to break on throws and use his ball skills to his advantage If you are going to play press man, turn, and run, do not take Rasul Douglas. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to like it. Uh, If he misses at the line of scrimmage, it's over. He just simply, he does not have 
A, the recovery speed, or B, the short area quickness to play in phase if he's conceding, so especially off-man coverage. That is his worst-case scenario. If you're playing press man, turn and run, then he needs to be an absolute technician. I think his absolute best fit is as a cover three defender where he doesn't have to worry about playing in phase all that often. He can use his length. He can read in the backfield. Yeah, and so there's a place for him. And and there's a lot of cover three, so that's not like putting him so much in a corner that... Right, it's um, not a kiss of death by any means. Yeah, I I mean, I think I've watched more All-22 in the last six months than I have my entire life, and and you can really get an idea for what these teams, both both at the pro level and college level, are doing coverage-wise. And there's a lot of cover three. It's okay. Just He's just certain things that's unfair to ask him to do. Um, Shifting gears. uh, Temple, linebacker. Linebacker, Ah. I said. (laughs) Hassan Reddick, man. This guy... He's a you dude. Talk about it. Yeah, he's a dude. He's for sure a dude. What he's been able to do postseason to help his draft stock is uh, just unbelievable. Uh, you know, he, he played edge at Temple, and at 237 pounds, pounds he's not going to play edge in the NFL. So what he needed to do is transition to linebacker. And so we don't have to guess about that, right? Because he did it at Mobile. He did it senior bowl. He did it at a high level. Fast to flow. Closes down distances. Great finisher. We've seen him already do that. So the last test for him was to, to validate his athletic ability at the combine. Well, damn it, he did that. Runs oh, four, five, two. You know what I mean? What is he, four, five, two, jump 36 inches, 36 and a half inches, 133 inch broad, 701 three cone. I mean, he's got all the athletic ability that you can want for a guy to operate in space. And you see that on tape as well, right? There's plenty of, of, uh, of situations where he's able to flow to the sideline, actually get out in coverage. Uh, carry those running backs in space on wheel routes from time to time at Temple. You see all that spatial ability, and, and Hassan Reddick has, has really uh, emerged, okay? And uh, I think Ruben Froster is still the cat's pajamas at linebacker. But right behind him is, is Hassan Reddick, and uh, when you start looking into the early 20s, like the Giants or the um, – uh, the other team that comes to mind, uh, Giants and Lions, right? Detroit Lions in the early 20s. I think that's probably his floor. So a guy who was playing edge at 230-something pounds is now a first-round linebacker, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, you stole my thunder. I was going to have another hot take that Hassan Reddick does not make it to pick 25. There's Fact. there There's too many <laughs> linebacker-hungry teams. You mentioned the Giants, uh, yeah. the Lions, the Dolphins. All of those yeah. teams in that early 20s block, that's a gauntlet, man. And you know he's going to be gone because – uh, you were you could see it when when we were in the XOS film room at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Uh, we're sitting next to a couple of NFL personnel individuals, and I actually happened to look over at one point, and they're talking about Reddick specifically, watching the the end zone angle of him making plays and making reads, and they're they're commenting on how this is a, a an edge defender that's playing off ball linebacker. He's making cross keys in team mm-hmm. drills and flowing appropriately, and then filtering through traffic to finish the play. I think that's where this is a really unique player, because he came into Temple as a defensive back. He walked onto the team as a defensive back. And then he bulked himself up. He's playing edge. And on the edge, he's very acclimated to playing at the line of scrimmage, playing off of blocks, and finding his way through traffic to find the football. And now you're going to move him off the ball at an ideal linebacker weight, 
with ideal range in today's NFL, and you're going to ask him to do both the things that he's done in his previous positions, where you're going to ask him to play in coverage, play out in space, and you're going to ask him to filter through traffic, find creases, attack creases, and play forward. It really is a perfect storm of athletic ability, background at other positions. And Joe, my only question for you is, is this a Mike? Is this a Sam? Or is this a Will? I like Mike. 4-3 Mike. Thank yeah, you. yeah, I'm good with that. I, I, I did a story, or not a story, an article on him uh, for FanRag Sports a few weeks ago. And, and I highlighted Mike as his best fit. And I think that'd be perfect. Uh, and he's got that type of, uh, he's got that type of uh, demeanor, style, you know, just kind of the guy that yeah. you you want in the middle of, of your defense. And um, yeah, he he he's an awesome story. I, he's a guy I'm rooting for. I, I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, he's got that hot motor. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of hot motors, Joe. Let's talk about Mister T.J. Watt, shall we? T.J. Watt? Yes. So I'm not. Oh, my goodness gracious. I like that. Oh. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> so I don't know if you've heard, but I was a big fan of T.J. prior to the Combine. I did his film assessment about mid-January and just really fell in love with the combination of functional athleticism, football intelligence, uh, competitive toughness and motor, and then his hands. His hands are really polished. He's got baseline length and uh, only a two-year defensive player. And that was something that he actually went out of his way to mention in Indianapolis, was talking about, hey, you know, hey, I'm just getting started. I'm still a work in progress. I've only been at this for two years now. Uh, TJ came out and tested better than, I think, probably 95% of the draft sphere was expecting him to do. Uh, He had, uh, when you normalize his testing for size, uh, he was one of the uh, six best edge defenders with their testing at the Combine. Uh, Really impressive stuff. He broke uh, 4-7 with his 40-yard dash. He was in the 4-6s. He had a good, pretty solid 10-yard split. Uh, Not Clay Matthews level. But also not John Allen level, so so uh, it's an above average, statistically speaking, ten yard split, and that's that's what he needs because of how well he is to to use his hands and use his length and play off of blocks and uh, is an intelligent pass rusher. Uh, I just think when you're looking at the athletic skill set that he brings, he's fairly explosive, but it's it's largely. Uh, Functional strength is an issue if he's not playing linear. He has lateral quickness, lateral mobility. Uh, he ran a six-seven-nine in the three-cone. Uh, that's one of the better times for any of the edge defenders, period. Really impressive skill there. Uh, and you see his ability to flip the hips and turn the corner on guys. He got better and better and better at it throughout the course of his final year before he came out. I think this is still somebody you have to play standing up. Uh, I've gotten some questions after the combine, after the fact, asking, hey, is this somebody that could potentially play, like, say, Dallas at 28? We need a pass rusher. Can we can we pick T.J. Watt and play him at defensive end? I still think you're taking away from his strengths if you do so. 
because the tighter you play him in line, the more difficult time he's going to have being a three-down defender. If you're at least playing kind of like what we just talked about with Jordan Willis, he's got a different set of issues than Jordan Willis, where Willis has some power, he just can't bend the edge. Watt can bend the edge, but he cannot play in high levels of traffic and hold the point of attack. So this is somebody I want coming off the edge. I maybe want him stacked back behind the defensive line and getting a free run with a two-way go and getting isolated against an offensive lineman in pass protection in space. Uh, You saw him do all these things at Wisconsin, so it should not be a huge surprise that they're the things you want to see him do in the NFL. Uh, But if if you're a team that needs a pass rusher and you're going to ask T.J. Watt to put his hand on the ground, play inside eye to outside eye of the offensive tackle, or play shaded inside a tight end and try and set the edge, it's a losing formula. Please, NFL, don't let that happen. So there's this dude. He uh, he plays for Michigan. You may have heard of him, Jabril Peppers. Who? <laughs> He's been a little bit of a polarizing lightning rod type guy, and uh, it's time to uh, to kind of set this record straight. I thought I did it with my uh, my piece for FanRag Sports so the curious case of Jabril Peppers, but uh, nobody listened. I guess he's a safety, guys. He's not a linebacker. He's a safety. He's definitely not a running back. So like people that are saying he's a running back don't. Just don't. He's a safety. He's all day long. 5'10", almost 5'11", 213, ran 4.47, which is a really good time for a safety. 35 and a half inch vert. And, uh, you know, look at the tape. Look what he does on tape. What he does on tape is reminiscent of a safety. My biggest knock on on Peppers on tape is that uh, I think he's a little slow to process. And that is instantly mitigated by playing him on the third level or as a box safety or as a box linebacker, dime linebacker. Uh, he can take that time to process and, and he's fast to flow. Obviously he's, he's closing distances quick. He's a good finisher, very physical, but uh, you know, he's still working on that processing. And, and part of that is just not having had a position to his credit. He's, he's playing friggin' linebacker for, for Michigan doing what the team asked him to do, put, putting that in, in front of himself. But uh, when I project this guy to the back end, uh, I really like what I see. He's got the movement skills. He's got the range. He's got the physicality. He's willing to work through traffic, come downhill, come into the alley and make plays. And, um, you know, quit, quit figuring out where to play this guy. Don't. He's not Deone Buchanan. He's not Mark Barron. He's the third-level safety. You can walk him down from time to time. Uh, but but play him on the back end all day long, and I think you got a good football player. Yeah, he's what people thought Carl Joseph was before people ra- realized Carl Joseph had long speed and range. Mm, so I like that. Yeah, it, it's very physical. Play him in the box. Let him be an impact run defender. You can play him from the slot. Uh, just don't ask him to play a whole lot of man-to-man coverage. So if you're a heavy man team, yeah, Jabril Peppers probably isn't for you. He's probably going to be notably lower on the board. But guess what? He's not going to be your problem because somebody who plays zone coverage and has a defensive coordinator that likes those chess pieces is going to snag him. And it's going to be probably in the top 40, 50 picks. The last guy I want to talk about is another cornerback, another scheme-specific corner. This is somebody who uh, I was a really big fan of. I thought his film from 2016 was one of, if not, uh, the the top tier of film 
for any corner going through from start to finish the entire year, and that's Miami's Corn Elder. Uh, Corn is a smaller defensive back, 5'10", uh, under 190 pounds. He's light. But my goodness, you watch him overlap zones and process route combinations and read the eyes of the quarterback, and he's got such a tremendous ability to impact even on the sideline. Uh, where you'll get in trouble with Corn is if you ask him to play press coverage or if you're asking Corn uh, to play vertically down the field from the hip pocket and play in phase. Uh, that's not where he wins. Corn uh, is very much a flat defender, a traditional cover two shell style defense that likes to have their corners maybe disrupt some routes at the line of scrimmage, but you're not going to ask him to play and transition from a press into a tight hip pocket in phase position carrying routes down the field. If you let him detach and get off of that press, uh, th- he is very good A, reading backfield action, coming forward. He's a strong tackler in the open field. He's aggressive to beat wide receivers to the spot and challenge the football. And his, uh, as we mentioned, his, his spatial awareness, his ability to drop off if he's not being held by a receiver in the flats and take away throws down the field that look like they're just wide open and his acceleration in short areas and ball skills, uh, all of that lends itself very favorably, favorably to him being a cover two shell style corner. Uh, just don't ask him to play man coverage. So again, this is somebody who you just got to be honest with yourself as far as in an ideal personnel scenario, what type of defense and what type of coverage does my team run? And if you're getting a lot of man, you want to play press man with cover zero on the back end and bring a lot of pressure, corn's not for you. But if you can get organic pressure with your front four and and are able to rely on your back seven to play in space and hold and overlap zones and then read the ball if it's forced out quickly, Cornelder's going to be a great fit for somebody. Hey, Kyle, as we kind of tie a ribbon on all things combine, I want to ask you this. When you look over the, the performances that we've seen, is there one that stands out, out in a way where you just like man this let me down i was high on him and the numbers just were nothing like what i was expecting got any names that come to mind yeah that's a good question uh jaleel johnson comes to mind yeah good call jaleel i mean his first 10 yard split was a 204 is that right that's uh, yeah. that's the yeah. number that's coming to me off the I top can... of my head that's like un unbelievably unheard of. I think I could do a backpedal 10 right now faster than two. Right? Yeah, it's bad. And it's weird because we're we're at the Senior Bowl standing down along the back end of the end zone watching them goof around before practice, right? And he's running around and uh, he's making attempts at one-handed catches and he's not catching the ball because he's not a receiver, but... You just kind of watch him goof around, and you're like, oh, this is an athletic guy. And he had been tracked as the highest miles per hour on all three days of practice for any defensive prospect. <laughs> top top maximum velocity, Jaleel Johnson, runs a 204 10-yard split. I mean, it's it's just, and I knew he wasn't really the penetration player in comparison to, say, Caleb Brantley or Larry Ogunjobi, uh, 
that some people wanted him to be. You know, some people had started throwing him into that late first round consideration, early second round. He's going to be an, uh, a late day two, early day three guy for me, just because that level of functional athleticism paired with the fact that he's best anchoring, he's best at the line of scrimmage, not asking him to play and penetrate. Uh, he's very physically stout, but I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of pass rush productivity out of him. And just looking at that that end result, I mean, he was the worst scoring defensive lineman besides uh, Devon Godchow from LSU in the entire group. Yeah, it was uh, it was a stinker. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the same question for myself, man. I'll tell you the the day that just pissed me off. I guess was Tease Tabor, Florida cornerback. He's a guy that I liked, and, and I still do. I, I I trust his game tape. I trust his game speed. Yeah, 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 Kyle. Uh, I thought, it, you know, for me, he was right there in the mix of the top five cornerbacks, right outside of the top three. You know, I was trying to sort out if he was cornerback four or cornerback five. He goes out, runs four six two. Um, he's you know one of only two cornerbacks to have less than ten bench press reps at two twenty five. You know, jumps thirty one inches in the vert. I mean, he doesn't even do three cone and short shuttle probably because it was so bad. And, uh, you know, he just had a rough go. Um, a guy that I thought was pretty quick-footed and fluid on tape, really nice press skills, really nice ball skills. Uh, I was certainly hoping for a lot better timed speed. So, um, you know, when you have other corners like Adderay Jackson and Gary N. Conley and those guys that are running two-tenths quicker, three-tenths quicker in some you know, in, in Jackson's case, uh, you know, it's, it's, gonna, it's really going to hurt him ultimately in my opinion. Yeah, another guy that's probably going to be more scheme specific than we thought he was. That's exactly it. I did. I thought he would be a universal player, and he's just he's not going to be. So that is going to do it for us today. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to the draft dudes. We hope you enjoyed us duding it up for you on a Wednesday. Uh, we will be back again on Friday. Uh, we're trying to secure a guest for the show. Somebody you guys may enjoy hearing us talk to. Uh, so please be sure to subscribe to the show. Stick around. You can do so on Audio Boom or iTunes. Uh, any other podcast app that you may have found us on, odds are you can subscribe. Please feel free to do so. Uh, shoot us a, uh, a, a review. Let us know what you think of the show and what we're doing. And uh, as a reminder, we talked about it at the top of the show, but uh, we have just recently introduced and rolled out uh, our NDT Scouting Premium Subscription. Uh, it's a 12-month subscription. $20 gets you 300 reports from myself, 300 reports from Joe Marino, and 12 months of exclusive content because the draft is year-round. Don't let anybody tell you differently. All you have to do is follow along with us, and you'll find out real quick <laughs> that we never turn it off, which is what makes it so ironic, Joe, that I talked about sleep at the beginning of the show. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's no sleep. We don't get to sleep. A L- little more in the summer. Right, yeah. We can, we can sleep until 530. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. We look forward to speaking with you again on Friday. What's better than this? Guys being dude. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. 
Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.